Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and want to talk about. My name is Andy Nelson, host of the Next Real Film Podcast. On this episode, to celebrate Father's Day, we're talking about Paul Weiss's new film starring Kevin Hart, Fatherhood. Excuse me. She's been like crying for hours. Sorry, but this is a group for new mothers. On that sign out there, it says parents. I'm a parent and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Girl's got some stuff flying out of ass. So she can either hit you with a streamer or she'll buckshot you. It's a quick... Wow. 
I need help. I don't know how you're going to do this. Mm-mm-mm. If you could have only one parent, I wish you could have had your mom. Because she would have been better at it. And mommy was the best. Go to sleep, Maddie. Maddie, go to sleep. Maddie, go to sleep. Go to sleep, Maddie. It's not working, though. She's not a clapper. Matthew, darling, we think you should move back to Minnesota. You're all alone here. She needs family. Raising a child is a non-stop, all-day, all-night affair. I look. You look great. Don't say it just to be saying it. You look like a king. King and a slave. How does it look? I think it's a new look. I think it's a new hairstyle that can catch on if given a chance. Mr. Logan, Madeline doesn't have a mother to model after. I am well aware of what my daughter doesn't have. You think you can do this, but you can't. No, man, you're right. I can't do it. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm a father. Andy, have you heard about these membership plans we have over at The Next Reel? Membership plans? Tell me more. For just $1 a month, that's practically nothing, you can become a One Reeler member and get access to member channels over on Discord. But I'm already a member on Discord. Yeah, but you don't have access to the special channels. Ooh, so what's on these special member-only channels? You know that Saturday matinee show? Oh yeah, the one I get every Monday when the hosts talk about news and trailers, play movie-related games, and then they challenge each other with their list of films related somehow to the movie that we reviewed that week? That's the one. Members get access to the Show Talk channel where they can vote on these lists each week. Wait, wait, wait. You, You mean there's a vote? I love voting. Mama always said, vote early and vote often. Now, if you bump your membership to the two-reeler tier, which costs a measly $5 a month, practically the same you'd pay for a fancy coffee drink, you get so much more. Oh, what more is there? Two-reelers not only get everything the one-reelers get... (laughs) That's a given. But they also get access to live streams to watch the shows when they actually record, or any time thereafter. You mean I have to stop doing this in my bathrobe? Two reelers also get to be a part of the pre-show chat with hosts before every film board episode. I like it. I like it. Two reelers get every show before regular listeners and without ads. Oh, you mean they don't have to sit through this? <laughs> Count me in. But the best benefit of all, members get bonus member-only episodes. I love that. It's an exciting time to be alive. What can I say? So how do I sign up? It's easy. Just head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Thenextreel.com slash membership? Thenextreel.com slash membership. Access to member-only channels in Discord, early access to shows, access to live streams, and member bonus episodes. Sign up today. Today, I'm chatting with Ocean and Steve to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Welcome. It's great to see you both this fine morning so we can uh, discuss the not only the movie fatherhood, but uh, probably share some of our experiences of uh, with uh, fatherhood as well. Yes. I love your thinking on that ocean. And Steve, hello. Hey, good morning. Good to talk to you again, Andy. And happy early or belated Father's Day, I guess, depending on when this <laughs> posts, right? And depending on when people are listening to it. <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, we're here to talk about fatherhood. It was another of the films scheduled to release uh, a year ago, but of course it ended up getting its delays due to COVID. And now here we are, uh, Sony and Columbia Pictures uh, said, you know what? 
you can take this Netflix. So here we are watching this movie that was released on Netflix uh, just the other day to celebrate Father's Day. So uh, let's get our initial thoughts. Ocean, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, my initial thoughts of this movie. Oh, um, goodness. I, yeah, I, I didn't like it. Um, so I think that, uh, the, <laughs> I had several issues, um, with this movie in terms of how it portrayed not only, um, not only how it portrayed Matt's character in terms of how he uh, handled and went about things with uh, with uh, parenting and, and fatherhood in this you know horrible having this having this situation come up your daughter is born and then the next day the mother of your daughter dies right absolutely horrible you know the horrible situation but I think that there was a kernel of a movie in here from uh, when I looked up more about the original story and kind of what was going to happen here but what this movie really gave us was a uh, a vehicle of a movie that was supposed to show you kind of the hard parts of fatherhood, maybe the trials and tribulations, some ups and downs, you know, what the struggles are you going to go through and then how that's going to then pay off and be good at the end and decided to instead show us, hey, here's all those crappy parts about being a father of a baby all just right together. And um, we're not going to say anything redeeming about this. We're not going to say anything funny about this. We're just going to show you the horrible parts of parenthood and... Rule credits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Steve, uh, did your reaction uh, seem similar or a little different? It's it's pretty similar. And I was, I was wondering as I, after I finished this, I thought, okay, where did this come from? Because it, it felt like it, it wasn't digging into the, the real stuff that I would, would want, you know, from, from the trailer, I thought, okay, you're, you're giving me the highlights and you're, Presented it as a Kevin Hart film, so you've got to throw in some of the funny, but then you've got to have sort of the the tear jerking parts. And the, after I finished, I thought it didn't it didn't go deep enough into a lot of stuff. And so I thought, what? Why? And then I saw, oh, this is based on a true story. And then I dug further. And I was like, oh, I know this guy. I mean, I don't personally know him, but they're on the Reply All podcast. They did an episode uh, about Matt Logan because of his wife died, and he was. He was writing a blog, and one of the images from his blog got pulled and sort of scraped and used in those, like, junky, spammy, like, it looks like an article at the bottom of a website thing where you're, like, reading a news article and, and then it's got something else on there. His image off his blog got appropriated for that, and he was trying to get it taken down off the internet, which to me is a so much more interesting story than this movie. And so I, I'm right there with Ocean. It just... It told a story, but it didn't it didn't engage me. It didn't give me anything new. It didn't challenge me. It didn't give me anything about Matt growing growing as a person or as a character. It just was like there was this guy and these things happened to him. End of story. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with both of you. It was a very frustrating film for me because uh, I I loved this cast. Like I thought everybody in the cast was doing such great work. Unfortunately, they were doing great work on a script that was, uh, it was, it was playing not just by the numbers, but it was almost, it, it felt like it was trying to recreate all of the numbers that had already gone before it. It just felt so standard and expected and it was so frustrating. And I'm like, I, you know, Dustin Hoffman did all of these bits already back in Kramer versus Kramer, a much better <laughs> film. Why are we rehashing all these same beats? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, 
and and I felt like, have we not seen any growth in fatherhood since 1979 when that film came out? It's like <laughs> we're it's the exact same place that we find this this person, and and I get it. And, you know, it maybe the real story of Matthew uh, Logan was that he just was this clueless when it came to uh, dealing with the child, but it just felt like oh my, like the whole beginning of the film when when the when Maddie, the baby, is still an infant, it felt very much like he doesn't know how to change a diaper. He doesn't know how to set up a crib. He doesn't know how to open a stroller. He doesn't know how to make, you know, feed the baby properly. Like all these things. I'm like, seriously, like, are we going to go play by play through all of this stuff? Or are we going to have anything <laughs> that stands out as is showing me something authentic here? And that was what was so frustrating for me. I just didn't feel like I was given anything authentic and it it just really frustrated me because again like I really enjoyed watching Kevin Hart in this more serious type of role. I'm like he can carry it. I buy his emotions. I buy him as this person in this situation and and I thought there was a lot of authenticity there. Same thing with the rest of the cast. I mean, it's just I mean, it's a cast full of people I love. Alfrey Woodard yeah. I've always loved and and yeah. she was just great as that mother-in-law who was was kind of trying to trying to get the baby herself, you know, just like the way that that played was really, really interesting. Yeah, I I found I had problems with how that played. Okay, in in what sense? In 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 the, in this sense, and so so here's the thing. So Alfred Wood's character, first off, that you know, I'm going to uh, echo everything you said about the acting. I think that a lot of the performances, the acting was good. The, the story in the script is was the problem here. Um, I think that. And, and, and Alfred Woodard's character to me is emblematic of the major problem of it in that. So they took the, this, this woman who's now has gone through the worst thing imaginable, right? Like, you know, the death of, you know, the death of my child, that's the worst, right? Cause I'm like, you know, you are burying me. I am not burying you, right? So, so she, she's gone through this and she is, you know, mourning and grieving as well in this, but the way it plays, she's really just the villain. She is an overbearing woman who is coming in trying to steal this man's baby. And you're like, why are you trying to take this, this man's baby? And it's like, well, wait a minute. If you can step back for a second and maybe show a little bit of a fuller picture of, you know, kind of how her emotions and feelings are with this and how the devastation she's going through with the loss of her child and how really what she, I, I think really what she would want is just like, she's just trying to get everybody, you know, close. Like she, I, this is one of my last, you know, this grandbaby represents my last family, you know, close family. And I want everybody close. Close and I want to be together and I want us all to to grow and mourn and live and be together. But really, she just comes across as a villain who is saying, I think you're a horrible person. Well, definitely a horrible father. You're not going to be able to take care of this this baby that if we leave the baby with you, the baby's going to be dead in a week, I guess. I, I don't know what she thought, right? Um, and so, but it, th that, it, that it made her an unsympathetic character in a scenario where she should have been a sympathetic character. Like, uh, like Mike, you know, Frankie Faison's Mike was sympathetic. His character was written in a better manner where you did feel, Hey, he is suffering this massive loss, but still trying to be supportive of the other situation and recognizing that others are going through it as well. But, but the, uh, the Alfred Woodard character, um, whose name I'm blanking on right now. That'd be Marion. Okay. Marion. Yeah. I did not like how she was so, unsympathetic and really almost the bad guy in this movie where she should not have been. Well, they tried to give, there was like one line where they tried to give some background to that, which is 
early on, I think like at the, at the wake or whatever. And, and, um, Matt says something about, you know, God's plan and Marion's like plan, you know, she's like, we had a plan, you know, she, you know, Liz was going to do this. She was going to come back. She was going to go to grad school. She had these career path, you know, all lined up. And then she met you and you guys got married and it derailed that. And so I had the sense of Marion had this, you know, storybook plan for her daughter. And Matt was the one that derailed that. So that created this, this tension, but then, we never come back to that. Yeah, it, it 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 humanized her for a second, but you're right. They played the rest of it as she's the villain. Villain. She's the the mother-in-law. They've got the mother-in-law son-in-law conflict. And I thought, no, no, there's there's something there, and it, it was emblematic of everything else that happens in this movie. Of it drops a seed of something and then fails to really dig into it because I I wanted more about Marion's struggle and her her coming to terms with what she was what her hopes and dreams were and and how that got derailed and maybe there would be some way for her and Matt to to grow together as characters and their their shared loss and grief but it it doesn't do that it it goes for like caricature almost in that relationship that's the problem with it because i mean i I, I mean, I love what Alfrey Woodard's doing. I love the way that she plays the character. It's just, it, you're right. It's not, it's not really well structured. It's not interesting because she's introduced as kind of a villain, as you said. I don't mind that either. I think that could make for a really interesting film if we have this constant conflict between these two characters, but it would actually have to go the length of the film. As it stands, it's set up for this point just through like, I don't know, the first act really where she's suddenly like, you know what? You're doing okay. And then that was kind of it. I'm like, that's that's all we're going to get of her kind of with this issue that she has. And then we have that moment, which I really liked when Matt comes and visits them and for I think it's maybe for the baptism. And he's talking to her in in his uh, deceased wife's old room. And she's just like, you know, when when she first died, I would spend every day in here and now i only allow myself an hour i was like that's 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 interesting like there's something there and but it never goes anywhere because then it's like you know it, i don't know i i kept feeling like is there conflict about this room or not because he seemed to be drawn to the room she was drawn to the room but then when he comes later to bring maddie there to stay with them now it's maddie's room and he seems like he might be bothered by that but it's not really brought up anymore. And so it's just like, there are all these little pieces in here that could make for a really interesting story, but it's like, they don't take any of these threads and do anything with them. So it's all just kind of laying there. Well, I, and I wondered if it, if it's suffering from the fact that it is based on his, his book, you know, his, his story. And we want to stay true to what his story was. And as a result, we, we just get rid of any, you know, entertainment or dramatic conflict in that because we need to stay true to what happened to Matt. You know, so things that in the moment can feel really stressful and, and strong with conflict when you get when you reflect on it, you can go, oh well that wasn't really that, you know. I looked at all of this and said, okay, yeah, that's life. We all went through as parents, we all went through these types of things of I'm feeling incompetent as a father. I have a conflict with an in-law. Like, yeah, we all did this. You haven't elevated this to something where I'm like, wow, he's he's really struggling with something unique. I'm like, this is life, buddy. This is not that hard. I mean, it is, but we all deal with it. What makes you special? What makes you this story worth telling since 
you know, many people have gone through something similar. I didn't get a sense of here's the takeaway. Here's his enlightenment. Here's his knowledge gained at the end of the journey, or here's some heightened drama to create something that's really entertaining and engaging as a viewer to see what's going to happen next. There was nothing pulling us through. There was no overarching conflict for, for Matt. I'm like, okay, he's a, he's a programmer. He's, he's got, he's got to keep his job. I'm like, okay. If if I had meetings with important clients and my kids throwing stuff at me and I have to walk away from a Zoom meeting, I, and then I'm going to get promoted at the end of all that, I was like, dude, do you know how lucky you are? I mean, you don't have conflict. I mean, I'm sorry, you know. Okay, it's it's Kevin Hart, the, the real Matt Loglin is a white dude, and I'm like, dude, white people problems. I I'm just like, you're. This is no. This is you have nothing hard. Even the the one piece I thought could, it could have really dug into is when he goes into that parent group meeting and it's all moms yeah and they're like you know you don't blank i'm like okay let's explore the idea of of single parenting as a as a father and the the social you know norms about moms and dads and all that there's something interesting that if we're going to talk about fatherhood let's talk about single parenting as a dad and those things and and what does that mean but yeah it it tiptoes around all the the stuff to just give us yeah, the, the the moms group was definitely a wasted opportunity because there there was a lot there, right? You could have had it where, you know, you have the nugget of, you know, this is where he learns about baby being colicky, which is which is this type of thing, you know, so there are aspects of this what I'm with you. Like, you know, okay, you're completely clueless about being a father. But there is like I didn't know what colicky babies were until right. I had one. Yeah. Right. You know, so that is that that is a kind of sure. thing where you may not just know that, right? And so so but th- that instead of saying that and making that where that would become part of his support group. They're just a throwaway scene, right? They're, they're, oh, you now know why your baby's crying and then they're never seen from again. And it's like, well, no, you would, you know, I mean, I know I'm projecting here, but I'm thinking in this scenario, if you have a friend group, amazingly, that has your, in in your mid to late thirties and amazingly, none of your friends Mm -hmm. have kids um, (laughs) that you have, you know, so, you know, that you're in that friend group that you meet these women who have kids and are going to be going through a lot of the same things that you're going through. There's a lot there. You learn more and more things, you learn things along the way. And that helps you improve as you are taking care of and and rearing an infant. Right. You know? And so, yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot there that they just said, Hey, here's this nugget of a really good idea that we're going to do nothing. Well, they, they did it. I mean, Michael Keaton did it. They did it really well in Mr. Mom, where it's like he bonds with the other moms. I mean, that was one of the things, you know, and that was, you know, that was 40 years ago we tackled that, right? And, you know, here it is. We we can't even make progress on, you know, on on that. And that that I think would have been interesting to look to look at in 40 years, you know, dad's parenting and 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 the we haven't changed our perceptions of that. You know, what does that look like for a guy in 2020, you know, networking with moms? You know, there's it's ripe for all kinds of humor and story, interesting character growth. There's a lot of potential, but again, the, the potential requires you to do something new and to bring something to the table that's not, that we haven't seen countless times before. It's like, does he really need to be this completely clueless? <laughs> like, has he, did they not go to any, like, kind of the, the, the stuff that you do before you have the baby? Right. Yeah. Now I get yeah. it. They're setting us up. You know, he hasn't even built the crib and the baby's due or you're going to be delivered right now. It's like, okay, he's, he's not with it. He's not aware of kind of what's going on. But I feel like if you're at this point where 
your wife's about to have a baby, you would be a lot more together than you are right now. You would have a better sense of this. You would know there are these resources out there that you can tap into. And I just felt like they just constantly played it to be just so clueless and just it, it just was so frustrating and and you know part of this comes from my frustration with Paul White's you know he and his uh his brother Chris they co-directed about a boy which is just one of my favorites i really love that film and then you know i i think they they may have co-directed a few things here and there but largely the two of them when they direct they're now kind of directing solo and I just, I, again, I don't feel like they, that either of them have really done much great, uh, as far as solid films that they have actually, uh, directed since then, other than maybe A Better Life, which, uh, which Chris directed in 2011. Um, but I, I just like, I, I, I wish that, I, I don't know what it is with the, the pair of these two. Like, what is it? What's it going to take for them to actually really tell a great story again? And maybe it's just not in them. I don't know. But this is just one where I'm like, I just felt like if you're pulling from this source material and this is what you're going to get, then maybe dump the source material, come up with a fresh angle and tell a story that's original and interesting because you're just you're 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 wasting a great cast in in a film that just does nothing. It just isn't doing a thing here. And it's it's so frustrating from start to finish. You know, do either of you follow Paul or Chris White's at all as far as directors and what they what they do as writers or directors? I know no, that I know I, the names, but you know, I'm I'm looking at filmographies and I'm like, eh, yeah, it's stuff that I either <laughs> saw and it, it forgot. Like, oh yeah, I couldn't tell you what American Dreams was about. I mean, it was some type of American Idol that, uh, yeah, or I didn't see it because it looked not that interesting yeah. to me. So no, I I agree. About a boy is a was a great film, but yeah, I'm looking here. I yeah. It's, it's, again, it's a, and we talked about this, you know, I think it was probably on Trailer Rewind or another film board. We talked about, okay, it's a competent film, right? So, I mean, there's nothing I can say like was poorly, it's, it's got a weak story, but you know, everything else it's competently done. So I give them credit for that, but there, it should be more, right? I mean, you know, there, there should be more to than, okay, shots were, you know, well lit and, you know, framed and everything. And there's a sequential series of events and all of that. And, and you've got talented actors that, that are delivering compelling performances. But that's like, to me, like, that's entry level, right? Okay, that's the bare minimum. And from this cast, I would expect more. From an experienced director, I would expect more. I mean, there's there's hints of things in here. The the whole dress code thing, I thought, okay, there's something interesting because we keep coming back to it. But even the resolution of that, I don't know. I'm not given enough that I guess they changed the dress code. I don't know why. It gave us some insight into his character with his whole, we don't need rules. And, you know, his daughter takes that mentality and the fact that she's, you know, wearing boys' pants and boys' underwear. Okay, there's something, again, there's something there that's Let's explore that. Let's let's give us more to that because that's re- very interesting. That again, it gets into the struggles of a parent of being the role model. And if there's no mother in the picture, how do you? As she's growing up, you know, as a girl, what are those things? Yeah, I I, I, agree, I agree with you that there is there is something interesting there. I think they're trying to maybe make a progressive statement yeah. of some kind where you know girls don't have to just wear dresses. 
and boys don't just have to wear pants, you know, but, but at the same time, you're right. It, it's, it's done. So in a ham fisted manner, even the idea of like, we don't need rules. Well, no, you do need rules. You can say, we think this specific rule should be changed and here's why. Right. And we can then maybe try to address that and make that into an interesting point of conflict or something where there can be a dialogue about it or, you know, why she should be able to be, um, you know, why she should wear pants instead of, instead of the dresses or, you know, there's some, there are things you can do with this. Right. But you should just basically say, we're just going to, thumb our nose at authority in this specific manner for no real particular reason, it isn't really a compelling, you know, compelling story. And it isn't really even, you know, like when I look at it as, you know, from a parenting standpoint, I'm like, well, that's not even really a great message because you're not explaining (laughs) why she should do that or, you know, maybe, you know, you know, or or anything or any context or of, of anything about, you know, what this could be narratively is just completely left on the cutting room floor. And so, and so what we're left with is what you just said. We have a, we have a thing of where she's not going to wear a dress. She wants to wear pants. So the one day she wears a, a dress, um, horrible things happen to her. And then, and then all of a sudden the school's like, okay, well, she can wear pants. Yeah. And it's like, oh. Okay. Um, I feel like I missed a couple of meetings or some conversations or something because we just kind of went from A to Z and, and I don't know how we got there or, or, or why we're there or, 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 you know, what is it saying when he, you know, he shows up in a skirt, right? Like, you know, what are we, what are we saying here? It's like, you know, and honestly, it felt like to me, like that was a moment of, Hey, we're going to try to use, um, cause Kevin Hart is funny. So we're going to try to use him to do a funny thing that then isn't funny. Right. And, and that was to me a, a lot of the problem with this, where you took, you know, Kevin Hart and put him in this dramatic role, which I, I agree he did a great job with, but also he does have a lot of comedic ability. And so, hey, you can sprinkle in some funny in this movie and they did not. Right, there, 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 there wasn't funny. They, there was some in there. Really, there at any point. There was, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm sorry, I can't think of one. So if you can think of one that was funny, please share. But yeah, it oh was come funny. on, I, I, you know, I love the like the little conversation. It's 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 not like overtly you know funny sort of stuff, but you know, just like when he and uh, Swan are talking and they have that cute little exchange about, I was going to leave the flowers out here, but you know, you have flower thieves out here. I didn't want to say anything. Like there were cute little things like that. It was just it's. I wouldn't say it's jokes, but it's cute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There were cute things. I'll give you that. Okay, all right. I, I will concede there were cute things there. And also the, uh, with, with Swan, she was great. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I thought that she, yeah. she was, uh, yeah, yeah, De- DeWanda Wise as, as Swan. She was great. She was engaging every time she was on the screen. She really, you know, ca- captivated my attention. And I thought she did a great job performing a role, you know, and I, I think she really brought a lot to her role. That's a tough role of, you know, hey, I'm going to date and then fall in love with a man who has a young child with a, with a woman that died, you know, the day after the childbirth and everything. And I want to try to incorporate, and I awkwardly have the, the, the dead daughter wife's like name. <laughs> yes, same name. Exactly. And I had to, right. So I had to come up with this other name to then call me so it's not too weird or anything. You know, so yeah. So I think that there was, you know, I, I, that that little nugget of story there, like, um, you know, Swan's story, uh, for lack of a better term, was was one aspect of the film that I thought, okay, well, this I like in terms of what they're doing with this character and how to how to try to bring her into ingratiate herself into into it. Now, I was not a fan of most of the reactions to her in in, in some of the things, especially you know the the whole like in a sense blaming her for. Um, for Maddie falling in the playground, right? And then being like, well, because that happened, then I wasn't there to answer the phone. I have, we have to be broken up. That was, you know, an overreaction, but okay. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I felt that I agree with you that there was some cuteness in their interactions with her. Anytime, uh, Swan was interacting with Maddie, I thought that was, you know, cute and kind of well done. And so that was like the one nugget of this movie that I was like, Hey, they did this part, you know, to say something positive. 
they did this part, I think, a decent amount of service. Andy, let me ask you a question, sort of structurally, since we're sort of digging into to story and yeah. all this. But you know, things that Ocean is talking about, when he talks about Swan's story, it just sort of got me thinking. We've got all these spheres of Matt's life, but none of them seem to like impact each other because I'm thinking his relationship with Swan, why isn't, you know, what is Marion's reaction to that going to be? Or things that are going on at work because at the end, I'm like, did he quit his job because he, he, doesn't go on the flight to Croatia and then he, you know, resolves things with Swan. But I'm like, are there no consequences? It's like when he's not in that sphere of work or with Swan or with Marion or his friends, it's like, I don't see actions there having repercussions or consequences in any of the other stories. Or there's no, like, I learned this lesson with my daughter. It's going to help me at work. Or I learned something at work that's going to help me in my relationship. They, I could pull them all apart and, or take one out. And I don't think the, the movie would suffer because there's no inner, connection isn't that something that a, a film should do is like the a plot and the b plot there should be some connection well i mean ideally yeah there it would be nice to have a film that that set stuff up and and that i felt like there were proper payoffs with these elements and and i just don't i feel like all of the elements in the story are kept at a distance from one another so you have the story that you know of of Matt dealing with his relationship with, with Miriam and how that relationship uh, is kind of playing out as far as kind of the relationship and how, how, you know, he's thinking that he might leave Maddie there to take this job. And then you have this whole relationship plot, but like those two never come into contact with each other. He never really talks to Marion about the fact that, Hey, I am actually dating this woman now. And I, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just, I felt like, these things were weirdly kept apart and it just didn't need to be. I, I just feel like they're not trying to say anything. And, and it, you know, it's the relationships. Like, none of this stuff was structured in a way where there's connections between the various stories that we have going on in his life, uh, nor do we have it leading to something that is is actually, you know, revealing or telling us something. Like, we don't say at the end, like you said, is he quitting his job? He just runs away from the flight. But is is he quitting? Is he getting Maddie and now he's going to take her? Like, it, it just, it, it very, is, it's unclear what's happening. And and if you look at, like, what happened with the real Matthew Loglin, uh, you know, I mean, he, he did quit his job. And then he goes overseas with his daughter for a few months. Um, so it's like, well, so why don't we... Why don't we kind of build on what's going on here in in the film? And it's just it's not doing anything. And that's I think in context of the the way that the film is structured, they didn't have a good handle on on the story itself. I mean, they had some interesting flashbacks. I actually liked the way that we would get periodic flashbacks to his time with his wife, and you know, like those moments. Largely, those happened earlier in the film, but they were nicely done. But then we get to this this point where it's just like we just have all these disconnected elements of his life and it doesn't lead to a real sense of growth for Matthew because at the end what what are we learning from him that he is he is afraid to you know I mean basically it's telling us you know don't leave your daughter behind because you're you're you you can't live without it and and your life w- is nothing it's like, I don't think that's really a good message. And I, I don't think that it's done in a way where it's really kind of guiding, you know, making us feel like this character has grown at all. No. And, you know, for as all guys know, no matter how bad you screw up in a relationship, if you show up with flowers and, you know, are, are witty, then clearly that just, you know, 
you win her back right away. I mean, clearly, no matter how much of a jerk you were, uh, admitting you're wrong is, is all, and some flowers is all it takes to reconcile and to go out for ice cream right after, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no sign. Not like, hey, you know what? I've started talking to a counselor, a grief counselor. Because right. clearly, I kept saying, who's going to tell him to go to a grief counselor? Because this yes. is a, clearly a person yes. who needs grief counseling. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And the, okay, so one other question. And again, because I, I may have missed things, but you know, the whole reason that. Maddie wanted to go, you know, going to live with the with Marion and and Mike and and all of that. Um, you know, Matt seemed to be like accepting of that because he's like, look, they good, did a great job of raising Liz. You know, clearly I can trust them. I can leave her there. But then he finds the necklace that Maddie has lost, and then shows up with that, and then she's like, oh well, you found the lost necklace. Okay, I'm ready to come home. And I thought, did I miss something with Maddie in terms of? Why she she was done dealing with you know she wanted to go with the grandparents and all that she I know she wanted to have like where's our people all that but to me I didn't understand enough about the necklace maybe or am, is it just it's not there well some of it is not there the, the the thing with the necklace with Maddie is you know there's parts of this where I'm like okay she's I think seven right so seven year olds are yeah if you made the, if you allowed them to make life decisions it's like well see what you know one one week your family would move to disneyland right, yes and the next week your family would move to disney world you, you know you just you know they, they just change what they do so that part to me uh, that part to me felt fine it, it was kind of like hey i was i felt this way today i wanted to be here with them at that and everything you were gone for a day or two now you're back and uh, now i want you today you know th- that all's fine the the thing to me that i didn't like about that whole aspect of it was the you know you had the conversations about the expectations of of him as a father and how he wouldn't be able to you know succeed or do you know be able to handle being a father right and i, I think that so a that that bothered me that all his entire friend group thought that he would be worthless at this, and they were surprised that he kept that he kept her alive as long as he did. And then too, I I had a problem with the structuring of the story, right? In that, so the when he stopped and thought about it for a second, it's like, well, if she could go live with the parents for a month, the grandparents for a month, this implies that this is summer vacation, right? School's not a factor, right? So that means if he wanted to, he could have taken her. Because she, because if once she removes school, he could take her with her with him on this trip, right? You know, and and figure it out. Would it be would it be difficult? Absolutely, but you can figure all this out, right? And so it seemed to me that it, it didn't make you know kind of a lot of sense of like you know why why it was that he was you know going to leave her there, not take him with her if if he realized that he wanted to you know if he realized he wanted to, and, and also I think that and this is an aside of of, of this whole structure of leaving her, right? That the movie did such a poor job of making, showing the balance between the good and the bad of fatherhood that you kind of felt that, you know, he effectively was leaving her there forever. And you felt that that he decided he was just going to quit being a father. And and that, and, and when he does that decision, you're not enough with, hey, well, why don't you think about all these good things that happen as part of parenting and fatherhood as well? Because the movie really doesn't display any of that to this point. That really, that it's just been this one long, consistent nightmare and he can't handle it. And then he's just going to give up and quit, right? And so I think that 
structurally that this this whole dynamic had a lot of problems in terms of not only when you think about it logically that there are other easy solutions available, but also that the movie really didn't give you a reason to think, oh no, he should fight to try to be with his daughter. Whereas it's like he, he just he comes across at this point more as a beaten man from fatherhood, and that he's like, you know what the the way to make everybody happy is to for me to give up. Uh, you know, give up the most important person in my life. The other part that really frustrated me with that is that we do jump from infant Maddie to seven-year-old Maddie. And clearly this wasn't a problem for six years in between. It's like, <laughs> like, why, why did we have this jump? If this is such yeah. a critical issue, I mean, obviously they, for me, the way that I could tell the, the reasons that they did this is because it's much more difficult to kind of deal with this story when it's constantly an infant. But if you can have a cute little girl who, I mean, let's be honest, she is just adorable. I loved, oh, yeah. I loved Melody Heard as Maddie. She was just yes. a delight every second she was on screen. That's the only reason that they do this, though. Like, I don't see any other reason other than to have these cute scenes of him trying to comb her hair and taking her to school and dealing with the dress and falling off the thing. Like, that's the only reason we jumped those six years. So. Like, uh, why Why is this a problem then? It's like, it makes no sense story-wise. If this is a problem with him trying to figure out how to be a dad, then it all really needs to be in that first part of the film when he's actually trying to figure out how to be a dad and how to raise an infant. And that's when you're telling the story. And that's when you have this story with Marion as this conflict of interest who wants to take the baby away from him because she doesn't view him as an effective parent. And that leads to a climactic moment at the end of the film when he is like, you know, he can do it and he's proven himself. Like that, to me, would have been what the story is. Or we just kind of start when it's Maddie and, and he's been raising her, but now there's this conflict in his life of like, you know, the job is growing. It's turning into an opportunity where I could go overseas, you know, and all these different things that are potentially happening with him. And now he's like, well, how do I do this as a dad? And and that gives us a, a different a different examination of fatherhood. But as it is, it's like they're trying to do both and they're trying to have have all of this in a story where you know, the first half doesn't connect to the second half because there's all the stuff in between clearly was working. It, he figured it out in the beginning. It's all working. And now at the end, all of a sudden, when she's seven, he's he's running into these issues. To me, it just it made the film really just kind of disconnected. And it's just like, I don't know, it just it it leaves me at a loss for the way that they chose to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay. So it's a frustrating film. We all clearly, uh, clearly have issues with the structure of it, with how they do it. Um, but cast wise, we, we like it. Uh, any other, any, anything else that you guys want to say about Kevin Hart and what he's doing here? This is the thing that, you know, there are so many comedians that make this transition to dramatic roles and do it so well. You I mean, you think, you know, Robin Williams towed that line and, and Tom Hanks starting off in comedy and Jim Carrey. And I thought, okay, this is Kevin Hart's, you know, opportunity. And I see hints of it. And I feel like with a better script that we could get that out of him. And I'm excited to see this transition for him to, to still be able to do the, the comedy stuff and, and be funny. But there were those moments in there where I was like, okay, in a better film, I'd be in tears. And so I'm, I'm 
really hoping he gets another crack at a serious role because I saw so much potential that I I didn't expect from from Kevin Hart. You know, just you know from his stand up stuff that I've seen. That I'm like, okay, I you know his style of comedy isn't always totally my thing, but I really didn't expect the the serious side. And I I wish you know that there was an opportunity for him to go deeper into that. And that's you know was a big surprise to me actually because I thought okay it's gonna he's gonna lean into the comedy more and he'll he'll make his way through the serious parts but i feel like he did a a really great job with what he was given here lest we forget that tom hanks had every time we say goodbye uh robin williams had uh yes okay there were some films that he did early on in his career yes yes. that where they were going down these roads of being a little more uh you know kind of shifting their direction they got there they were able to kind of continue yes so uh, uh, Ocean, any other thoughts about Kevin? Uh, actually, I really had the same thoughts that Steve had, but he said it was much better than <laughs> I was going to. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to say ditto. Okay. What Steve ditto. Said. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, ditto. Yeah. Well, we already talked a little bit about, um, about Alfre Woodard. Uh, any other thoughts on, on her? I mean, underutilized. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> Again, so extremely, extremely. but, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was surprised. I was like, oh, this film's going to be, cause I'll, I'll be honest. And Andy, you know this from my, you, you asked, hey, do you want to be on this? And I was like, I'm not really interested in this movie, uh, from the trailer. But then, you know, the, at the beginning with, with her as Marion in that conflict, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a really interesting film. And then she leaves. And she leaves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she does. And yes, Underutilized did a great job with the, the, there is a scene about the crying in the room all day, right? That was probably the only part of the movie that I really legitimately felt for a character in this, right? So, you know, her, her performance there, her ability to do that. I, I think that, you know, I think that when I, what I find with it, what I find frustrating is even as I praise what she did, I still find all this untapped potential, not only in her performance and the character interacting, you know, with her story as a whole, but then also I, I wanted to see a little bit more of her relationship with Mike, right? You know, like they, they, you know, they, they are parents of an only child who has died, right? You know, that there is, and, and they're clearly dealing with this differently. Right. You, you know, and that's, and that's okay. But there is still a lot there of like, you know, maybe, a, you know, just even a scene of them interacting with each other. Cause, cause really, the, the, you know, uh, tying into how all of the different arcs of this seem to be disjointed. There are a couple scenes where they are in the same room together, but very rarely are they interacting with each other. You know, like they maybe are independently interacting with a third person in the room or they're going into separate rooms and doing things there where it's like, well, their dynamic and how they're handling this and processing it as well it is something that is is worthy of some screen time here that that is missing right and 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 they and you have these two really good actors who are putting in really good work and it's like hey maybe give them two minutes to have a conversation with each other. <laughs> well, they, they don't do that. That's the nature of their relationship. The fact that she can yeah, hop yeah. on a plane to come out for a pediatrician visit, you know, and say, right. Oh, I just told Mike, I'm going to the spa for the day. I mean, yeah. what, what is strange. going on in that relationship? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. yeah, they're clearly, you know, dealing yeah. with their grief differently. And there's a, there's some communication issues going on, which again, would be an interesting dynamic for, 
you know, for Matt to look at of, you know, Marion didn't, doesn't like Matt and, you know, all of this, but her relationship with Mike needs work too. I mean, there's an interesting piece for her to reflect on. Did she put everything into her daughter and what did that get her? I mean, but yeah, no, I agree. That's again, I, this almost could have been a series really like, like, like blow it up. Let's dig into these relationships because the, the, the cast deserves it. Well, and then we also have the relationship, and this is one that that yeah. I was a little confused on between um, uh, Matt's mom Anna, and uh, then with <laughs> Marion and Mike, because or mostly Marion, because it seemed like they were setting up potentially an interesting, re- like a thing going on where Marion and Anna both kind of agreed that they would be better if if you know if. Maddie was back with them in Minnesota and 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 Matthew uh or moved with them or whatever however the case may be but it, they they seemed to initially have this decision together like I at, at first I was like oh it's going to be the two moms and they're going to be having these decisions that they're pushing on him very quickly Anna drops out of the picture and then she just kind of becomes a support character for Matthew and I was kind of disappointed because I'm like I wanted a little more from mom. Like she has that line that she gives with Marion about like, honey's better than vinegar. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> they, they had talked about yeah. this. There was a plan and then it never goes anywhere. And I liked mom. I just wish that I wish that she was given more, but she's like really left behind after that initial scene. It doesn't. And, and this is so in, in looking at the story of it, and I want to know what you guys thought, because this is where I came across with that was that, they both, the, both the mothers decided Matt and Maddie needed to move back to Minnesota, right? But in that conversation, when they were on the same page, Marion switched a little bit and said, Maddie needs to come back to Minnesota, right? That, that I think that, you know, um, Matt's mom said, no, I want all of you to come back to both of you to come back to Minnesota. And we would all, you know, as a kind of, you know, takes a, takes a village, we would all be together as a village to raise, to raise his child. And that she wasn't on board with splitting the father and daughter up. Whereas, and, and then that made it where she was kind of, I think, trying to be somewhat in the background or a little bit of a peacemaker or, you know, neutral about everything say no i support my son whatever he's going to do um i'm not on board with splitting you up but i do want you both to come back and i think that's that is kind of how i interpreted this now this interpretation might be generous Uh, you can let me know if you think that that is but i I just kind of looked at it like the reason she started going to the background is because she was no longer on the same page of the we want the grand we want maddie back we don't care what happened but then that would have made for a more interesting film like if they kept that conflict going between the moms right i i would love to have seen that so (laughs) so my interpretation was too generous okay (laughs) i mean there's there's they they do give give her a little bit of you know the whole thing when you know matt's talking with his mom about you know did you know his dad, you know, having sure. kids, you know, dad's out of the picture, all of that stuff. So uh, different family structures. So I can see the 
the different approaches of, you know, marrying and, you know, stable family and this and that and bring Maddie into that stability. Um, you know, Matt is, you know, he's chaotic, you know, keep him out of my controlled structured life. You know, whereas Matt's mom is like, no, we family is important. These connections, it is a challenge to do this as a single parent and we need supports and we need to be in this together. So yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, there was some consistency in it, you know, again, you know, when making a choice and the the story, you know, can fork into interesting and bland, it will always choose bland. But there, there again, I think that's what these actors were able to dig into. There was enough substance for them there. So, yes, Ocean, probably generous, but I think, you know, the seeds are there, as with so many things in this. It just needed nurturing in that in that direction. Yeah, it's frustrating. Let's talk about Matt's friends. What do we think of Lil <laughs> Rel Howry and Anthony Kerrigan? As the buddies, <laughs> yeah. I, okay, so I'll start with uh, Anthony Kerrigan, who is basically playing his character from Barry, and in Barry, he is funnier. Uh, he's, he's great. I don't know if you, yes. if you do you watch the I've show seen, Barry. I've seen the seen first the, season the, of Barry. Yeah, yes, the first season yes. of Barry. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Bill Hader yeah. show. Um, oh and God. Anthony Kerrigan plays. It's basically the same guy. <laughs> Right. And so, um, but in Barry, he's much funnier and, and, and his accent, he, he puts on the accent a bit thicker in Barry, but you know, and that's the same thing. And so he's the same kind of bumbling, you know, but gets you where you want to go type guy. And so I think that his character I thought was kind of okay. Right. Like, you know, he was, he's a, he's a periphery friend. He's there. They're just work for their work friends like that. He's going to help support him where he can. And I, if, what I did find interesting was in a way that friend, you know, the work friend supported him more in his life, right? You know, in terms of like, okay, you want to go, you know, hey, we know this great woman. We want to set you guys up, even though it's not a setup, which it was a setup, right? <laughs> um, you know, then doing that. And then like, you know, oh, you guys want to go on a date? We'll stay and watch Maddie for you, that new thing. And then like, even the, you know, coming over and playing poker with the co- cookies and stuff like that and everything like that, you know, I'm going to be a part of this, right? And, the, and I, I really like that. Lil Rel Howery, sorry, Jordan, I him I had more problems with. He seemed to be much more of the um, stereotypical friend that is, you know, perpetually going to be twenty two <laughs> and doesn't understand anything else that's going on. And you know, it's like, hey, all right, I know you've been a single dad and your wife died and everything, but hey, did you see these girls right here? We should do do that, right? right. You know, so you know, and it's kind of like, well, okay, you can have a friend that's like that, but then there didn't seem to be the other much of the other side, right? I mean, yes, he's a part of the poker games. Yes, he was there when he's trying to build up the uh build the crim. But it really seemed much more that he was still trying to um like Jordan's character seemed to be more trying to pull him away from some of his responsibilities and being, you know, what he was growing into as opposed to figuring out ways to support him, but then also give him windows of, hey, every now and again, you need to let off some steam. So I'm going to be here for you for those moments too. But, you know, I'm also going to be your friend to help you out with these things and not make things harder all the time. And and, and, I, and I felt that the way that character was written and the beats that he was going through was very much a very stereotypical trope of, hey, we need an immature friend. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. It was, it's a immature friend that's there for comic relief. It wasn't even a, you know, oh, here's, you know, Matt's, you know, 
stuck being a single parent and he's on all the time and like being tempted to like, oh, let me just leave the kid with the babysitter. Let me go out with Jordan. Let me and and have some conflict between, yeah, living this free life and and being single again and all of that and being uh, a parent and those responsibilities. There wasn't really any conflict. It was just, oh, let's have Jordan do something. And, you know, Matt can be like, what's wrong with you? And it's, you know, and it's funny. That's all it became. And I thought... There's, it's so shallow there. And when, when there, you know, there's, there's no struggle for Matt. It's just, I'm going to react and, you know, here's my comic relief. And, you know, with, with Oscar at work. Yeah. I mean, he's not much of a character there. Uh, it, it, so I was really surprised at the end when they're at the airport on the way to Croatia and he's bringing Oscar along because what Oscar's wife is Croatian. Oscar, you know, can help him with that. But Matt has just gotten this. Or is getting a promotion or, you know, is moving up into his boss's position. And he basically tells Oscar, okay, you got this. And it's like, does he, I don't know that Oscar is competent. Enough. I haven't seen <laughs> enough of him to know. Like, and that's where I'm like, is Matt quitting his job? And like, dude, you just take care of this. Or is it like, no, at work, you, you know, you've, we've seen you grow and yeah, I'm going to be promoted and you're ready to take this on and you don't need me. You're capable of handling this. I didn't get enough time with Oscar to see that because, again, he was played this really flat character for comic moments. I mean, that's all these guys were that was there for him to play off of and the audience to get some some laughs. So, again, they they executed well on what they were given to do. What they were given to do was, you know, not much. Yeah, not much. Uh, Very frustrating yeah. use of both yeah. of them. Uh, yes, I mean I did like right. Oscar more, but yeah, just a little tiny bit, right? Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, yes. because yeah. I because I, and I really like Lil Rel. I, I think that he's yeah. really funny and things like Get Out, where oh, I, yeah. I think that his presence brings a lot to the moments that he has. Like he really elevated his character in that film and and just brought a lot of life to it. In this film, I, I like I. Like you both have pointed out, it's like, what's he doing for the film? Like he, he's creating strange conflict for Matt that feels very disconnected from how a real friend should be behaving, you know? And, yes. and that was just, it was so frustrating for me. Cause I'm like, you could, you could write better than this. Why are they writing it this way? <sighs> yeah. I, I also even found I had a hard time understanding the dynamic of their friendship. Like, did he live with them? Did he not live with them? Cause like she would pop up in weird yes. places where it seems like, Oh, you live here. <laughs> Oh wait, no, you yeah. don't live here. But you're it's breakfast yeah. and you're coming out in your PJs. Right. It's like so <laughs> yes. I don't understand. Yes. You know, I don't understand what's going on with this. And so, yeah, and, and and also I felt that he he rang fake, especially given that a lot of that stuff came, you know, as Maddie Seven, right? And it's like, look, if you're if you've been friend, you know, your friends this line, and he, and he was just a friend, not a work friend. So that, that means their interactions were as friends. Over that seven year period, you would be, you would understand, hey, some things have changed here. You know, like you would be able to kind of incorporate more into that. It wouldn't be that you did not grow at all as, as a person, right? And, and, but maybe that's, you know, part of the problem with the structure of the movie as a whole that, you know, there's lots of parts where we've been speaking earlier about Matt's character not really fully growing as much as a character. And so it seemed like they, they didn't grow either. And so Oscar, and again, this might have been my generous interpretation. I thought the end was he was saying, Hey, cause he'd been trying earlier to get Oscar higher up in the company and things like that to do stuff. And I think he was like saying, Hey, this specific project really is meant for you. So instead of me going and kind of being like, you know, 
help, you know, kind of like you're either shadow or helping you, not shadow, but helping you do this, that, hey, you're just going to go ahead and do it, right? And then that, that's going to be your promotion. Then I'll keep my job because I'm now the boss before reasons, yeah. Yeah, right? right? right. You, you know, and so maybe that's what that was. But yeah, I, I didn't, I, I think that it was, the friend's characters is emblematic of the problems of the rest of the film where we're not seeing growth over the seven year period. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, and I think that speaks to, I think just one of these, it's a storytelling challenge and an editing challenge of, you know, we've got a structure where things we don't see basically don't exist. You know, it's like when you see, when you have that scene of like, oh, there's somebody and they're they're walking with a friend and they're like walking out of the house and they're having a conversation and then it cuts to they're in the car driving down the road and like ten minutes have passed but they're they're like right Same, at the next point yeah. in the conversation. It's like, what have you been doing for the past ten minutes? It's like this. What have you been doing for the past seven years? Well, since the audience doesn't see it, it doesn't exist exactly. And that seems like so much of this. Like, oh, it's funny to have him come in in his you know pajamas at breakfast and all that. It's like, no, well, where have you been? You know, are you living there? The the film has no concept of anything outside of any of the scenes that we are presented with. It doesn't exist. There's no logic to anything. It's just a sequence. And it goes back to the, how the stories don't relate, you know, our story arcs don't connect to each other because each scene just is an isolated event in time and space. And we're just given all of them sort of strung together. And it's, to me, it was like Hollywood's worst, uh, worst ideas of, Yes. Of a father, <laughs> of, of a those. male who just doesn't <laughs> yes. know how, who's clueless when it comes to raising a child over and over again, just consistently hitting us over the head with it. Well, all right. Clearly, we had issues with this film. Um, let's let's rank it. Let, uh, what do you both think as far as Letterbox out of five stars? Uh, and by the way, for all of you listeners out there, if you're interested in uh, getting a your a pro or patron level subscription at Letterbox, you can get a twenty percent discount if you use the if you go to thenextreel.com slash Letterbox. You can uh, get that uh, discount applied to your membership, and it also works on renewals. So get signed up. So let's go around. Let everybody know where do you sit with your rating on this ocean? I think that the verbal description of my rating of this can be summed up by the first three words Matt says in the film. And that is, well, this sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great opening line. So, I did like that. Yes. Yes, yes. exactly. Yes. Which really sets the mood, right? <laughs> where you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. All right. So anyway. Um, yeah. So I think that's, Okay, so for me, I had so many problems with this movie. We've discussed quite a few of them, not only structurally, um, uh, thematically, like even little parts of things that didn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, we didn't even discuss, like, why does he have this high-powered job, but he can't afford childcare? I don't understand that. <laughs> right, right, you know, so... So there's, there's so many yeah. aspects of, of, this, of this film that I have issues with. And so, for me, it, it, it was... It's a movie that I did. I neither laughed nor cried, and I don't ever want to see again. So I, I give it. The acting was good. So uh, one and a half stars. One and a half stars, Steve. What and, and no heart that I'm assuming. Oh no, no, no! Yeah. I'm not watching this again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Steve, how about you? I agree with everything Ocean said. I don't totally agree with the rating, and because again. It's a competently executed film. There's there's story problems. I, Is it though? Well, I, I, let me say this: if I just because the film, just because they know how to put, no, no, you know, I, I say film in the camera, but, it, it but doesn't really it, okay, apply. But you know, just because they know how to put a card in the camera, yes, I know, and put lights but up. Given the scripts, 
you know, so that's that's the thing. This is what I'm I'm shooting. This is what I have to have to work with. Uh, yeah, there's huge story problems. I'm 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 only giving it two stars. I'm not giving it three or three and a half. But to go below two, I have to really like be offended. And there was nothing. It frustrated me. Um, but it wasn't, I, it didn't make me angry. I was disappointed. So I, you know, I, I go with the two on that. Um, yeah, I, it's not a, not a heart, no likes on this one. I am not going to watch it again. I wouldn't encourage anybody to watch it again. I, I think there, there are other movies that execute on this better. And one of the things that I thought about as I was watching this was I made fun of the yesterday trailer. But I really, really enjoyed that movie, and it had a whole lot more things to say about challenges of being a parent than this movie did. Because after telling you I'm not really interested in seeing it, and I watched the trailer again, and then I thought, no, Yes Day surprised me. Maybe Fatherhood will surprise me. And it did. It did surprise me with how much it failed to tell a story. Two stars. I, I feel uh, two stars is still too generous uh, for all of that. <laughs> okay. It's it's just so frustrating yeah. because I feel like you've got a an incredible group of actors here delivering. You know, I, they all do well with the performances that they are given based on the script that they're provided. But the script is just a problem from beginning to end. And I just don't think that they ever really push to do anything with this. And it just feels like the worst example of Hollywood putting a script together to tell this story. And it just, it's, it's not doing anything new and and what it's doing is worse than what's been done before. So for me, this is a one-star film, no heart. Okay. So let me ask you a question. If both of you guys, if you weren't watching this for the show, for the, for this podcast, and you decided to put it on, would you have turned it off or was it entertaining enough where you thought I'm interested to see where this goes? The only reason I finished was for the podcast. Okay. Like I, I, my entire family, we, we all watch it together. And forty five minutes in, we were like, "There's another hour of this movie left." We were done. Sure. Okay. Like, and I, I told my kids, I was like, "Yeah, I thought this would be fun for us to watch. If you guys want to bail, bail." They didn't, right? And okay. and I, and I stayed for the podcast. But yeah, no, I'd bailed. Okay, Andy, would you have bailed? I can count on one hand how many films that I have turned okay. off or left okay. in the middle of. Uh, very rarely uh, will I do that. I generally will always finish, unless I'm just like so just bothered by what I'm, right. okay. I'm witnessing. Okay. It's, you know, I, I, this is not one I, I would have finished this. I, I still would feel the same, but I, I would have just buckled down okay. and finished it. Okay. Cause for me th- to get down to one star would be like, I'm not finishing this movie. It's a waste of my time. And I didn't, I didn't feel that it was a waste of my time. I'm not going to watch it again, but yeah. So that's what, that's why I'm too. There was enough. I think the talent dragged. I think the talent dragged me through this is, you know, what, what happened. So okay. I, I would pay to watch DeWanda Wise and Kevin Hart together in another rom-com. Oh, there, yeah. they had magic in that, yes. in their performance. Oh, yeah. I loved yeah. them on screen together. Just fantastic. It's just not this film. This film just is just. Uh, is very frustrating example of what a story about fatherhood could and should be. So, well, both of you, thanks so much for uh, coming on to talk about this this uh, fun Father's Day film. <laughs> really appreciate. It. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I do love just chatting with you both. As as a father, I would say when you're going to talk about challenges of fatherhood, uh, yeah, where's where's the toddler years? Where's where's those years? Because to me, that's everyone talks about terrible twos. No, ages three, three and four. That's that's the drama. That's the dynamic. 
you know, and Three's I the worst. Yeah. I'm like, and I guess getting, <laughs> getting child actors of that age, uh, is probably a big hurdle by seven. You can give direction to that. Infants just need to be there three and four. Yeah. Working with kids can be tough. And to me, that's, I was like, if you want to show the, the worst of the worst of fatherhood, then dig into those, you know, age three and four years. Oh my God. Three. Yeah. Three is, three is the worst. Three is the, three is the only year where you do actively start to contemplate. If I murder this child, will I get away with it? <laughs> right. You know, so, three is horrible. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you make it, you get through, you make it through, you love them and stuff like that. But at three, there's, there's those creeping moments of where you're like, you know, we can just leave them on the side of the road and just, you know, <laughs> just drive away. So. There's definitely a period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah, in the seven year old period, I'm like, this was not a problem. Why is this no. such a problem here? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, that's the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, remember, we have an online community uh, with fellow movie lovers. You can learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, head to thenextreel.com slash membership. We do do monthly member bonus episodes. We did A Quiet Place Part 2 earlier this month, and next month is our hiatus. We're not going to be doing any more shows after next week's show, which will be F9, um, but next month we will have a hiatus episode. We're going to be talking about Black Widow, which should be a fun one. And remember, this is an important thing to, uh, to, that we're trying to get out into the world. If your next real feed is too full, remember, this is our master feed and we now have individual feeds for all of our shows. So if you want to just be listening to the film board episodes, you can subscribe to just the film board feed and just listen to these episodes as they come out. Um, same thing with all the rest of our shows. Don't forget to do the stuff you're supposed to do with your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, and of course, listen. Uh, but perhaps most important and something we don't say often enough, please share. Any of those movie lovers in your life, uh, just tell them about the show. It's great getting new people to uh, to tune in. As I said, coming up next week, we have the latest Fast and Furious film, F9. Thanks, everybody. Meeting adjourned. The world has a way of changing. <laughs> and we change, too. I know some people, they would die for me. There are moments that separate us. Come back together. We heard y'all needed a little love out here. (laughs) Y'all ever thought about the wild missions we've been on? We've taken out planes, trains, tanks. I'm not going to think about the submarine. And now we got cars flying in the air. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. Been a long time, Dom. Little brother. You always say never turn your back on family, but you turned your back on me. Now your little family is in my world. Are you ready? Whatever's on you, is you ready? It's on us. Are you ready? He's got his own private army. We need help. No way. Is you ready? Oh, ready. So how do y'all want to play this? Fast. 
Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 